Midday Knowledge. Hello, my name is Onopa Chirimobaiwa and I am the program coordinator for the FVZS Institute. And I'm so pleased to welcome you to the Midday Knowledge Podcast. This podcast was pre-recorded as part of our Midday Knowledge sessions. Enjoy. Thank you so much, uh, MC. Um, uh, colleagues, um, my role is to really contextualize uh, today's uh, uh, talk. We are so, so happy that amongst us, we have very, very special people that will be the panelists today. And yes, Cameron, you are correct. This is the Youth Month. For us in South Africa, it's a very symbolic month as well, for obvious reasons. Uh, because if you go back to our history, you would remember the important role the youth played in actually advancing uh, what we call today, you know, a modern democracy. Certainly, if it was not for the unique role that the youth played, I really, really doubt that today we could be celebrating that we are a democratic country. But then, since then, we have moved into this uh, uh, democratic dispensation. And again, I think each youth has its own challenges. We are living in a very complex society. As we all know that South Africa is, uh, uh, is affected by many, many challenges. But I will just mention to you just a few. One being unemployment, uh, crime being an issue, poverty uh, being an issue, gender-based uh, violence being, a, being an issue. So I can name and name and name. And when you look at these uh, uh, very serious challenges that face society today, you'd also find that mostly they affect young people. And therefore, such events that you know you have organized today for young people to share their thoughts, perspectives, and insights on how does the youth view their role in society in the current dispensation, that is very, very, very important. And we are really, really looking forward to hear from our current student leaders, but also from former student leaders that were at our university previously, who have now uh, moved into the world of workplace. And for us as student affairs, uh, as I, I, I summarize, I think our role is a unique one uh, because uh, one way or the other, we have a responsibility to ensure that we we, 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 we assist our students, we capacitate our students, and we empower our students to navigate the complexities that are facing society today. And I think I'm speaking to the already converted, because I, I, I believe that that is certainly what we do at Stellenbosch uh, from all different angles when it comes in supporting our student leaders. So we are really, really looking forward to celebrate this special month with our panelists today. And uh, thank you so much, Cameron, uh, for the opportunity. And uh, I know this was a planned 
few months ago, and uh, we are so happy that finally we have arrived at that day. Over to you then. Thank you. Thanks very much, Anele, for that. And I then would like to introduce Bradley, Bradley Frolic, who most of you who would know within our student affairs department. Bradley, you can continue. Thank you so much, Cameron. And good afternoon, staff, students, and my fellow panelists. Thank you for the opportunity to speak at today's session. I truly do appreciate the invitation. When asked to speak to a group of not just students, but also staff, I must admit that one feels both humbled and uneasy. Humbled because of my personal university journey, which oftentimes was filled with challenges we as students directed towards the doorstep of this institution, whose institutional culture we experienced as an affront to our collective dignity. I feel uneasy because student affairs staff are arguably the closest group of staff to students on our campus. In many instances, these staff members live with us, are seized with the responsibility to guide us and to provide us with a holistic university experience. Naturally then, my audience have first-hand knowledge about the topic that I'll be discussing today. It is well known, as Anela has said, that South Africa has high levels of youth unemployment, inequality, and poverty. It is also true that youth unemployment for young people who hold degrees are lower, yet only a small proportion of young people are in higher education institutions with access being such a barrier. Accordingly, having a university degree dramatically increases employment prospects and so too the life chances of South African youth. Higher education institutions, specifically universities, though do not exist in a bubble. The university space is filled with the same challenges that the country faces, albeit some challenges may be more pronounced than others. Stellenbosch, for an example, is a well-funded institution with a world-class reputation, but faces serious credibility issues insofar as it relates to race relations and addressing the inequalities of the past. Watching from afar in Johannesburg, I understand that the independent inquiry into racism at Stellenbosch University has been appointed. Accordingly, it is an opportune moment to discuss the role of the youth activist today. Student activists are often told that we are disruptive, too forward, and always complain. My response has always been that I'm passionate about the issues that I'm advocating for and have recognized faults that were designed to exclude and make the other feel, feel unwelcome. And I've taken a decision to change that. But doing so in Stellenbosch is no easy task. I started my studies at Stellenbosch in 2014 and was a resident at Alswichte Manskoseis. Before the orientation period commenced, which actually was initiation, I was immediately made to feel unwelcome. When I attempted to speak out, I was told that first years cannot speak at floor meetings or house meetings. Frustrated, I voiced my disapproval and after that my room was attacked. It would be normal for me to come back to my res room and find it in a state of disarray with beer bottles having been broken all over the floor and being intimidated while trying to sleep at night by loud banging on my door and expletives being hurled towards me. I was fortunate enough that I had friends at Simonsburg 
and metanoia, which is where I would find safety and a place to sleep just so that I could function the next day in class. A lot of my first year friends who were first generation students were not that lucky and were forced to drop out simply because they did not conform to the institutional culture. For many of them, their university careers came to an abrupt end. Along with many other student activists during the Open Stellenbosch and Fiesmas Fall period, campus security staff and the men in black would surveil me and attempt to intimidate me. And this was all because we wanted to change and we want to change and dare to ask the university to make the space more welcoming and inclusive. Personally, I was met with the university instituting a interdict against me, thereby jeopardizing my legal career. I was charged and appeared before the Central Disciplinary Committee, and I was subsequently arrested during the examination period by Stellenbosch police who were working with elements in the university. On top of all of this, a activist's ultimate fear is of being academically excluded because you have become so consumed in fighting for justice that you have no time or energy left for your academics because you are burnt out and overwhelmed. For me and many other activists, we developed psychological conditions, which we only discovered much later on when we finally went to go and see psychologists. It must be understood that students never choose protest as a first course of action. We engage student leaders and student affairs staff in an attempt to resolve the issues that we face. In my experience, both those avenues proved to be unhelpful, and I resolved with my other comrades and student leaders to change the face of student leadership by advocating for real issues which we faced on a daily basis. The large majority of staff members did not assist when we asked for assistance, and I got the feeling that many staff of color felt so disempowered to do anything because the racism was so pervasive that their very jobs were at stake. And so, as students, we exercised our agency. Because not every student is inclined towards supporting a political party, in our first year, we formed a nonpartisan student movement, which caucused together to develop a strategy to change what we experienced so that no other student had to face what we had to. And so we were elected to faculty committees, society council executive committees, as well as the SRC. Using both the formal and uh, formal leadership structures and the non-positional uh, student leadership structures, we were able to forge an effective alliance, which culminated in even greater solidarity and unity in the, Stellen in the Stellenbosch student body than ever before. Unfortunately, from 2019, when I was still at the university, the student court, which is a powerful constitutional body, was underutilized by students. Admittedly, it is partly because of a lack of awareness. However, the student court proved instrumental in securing compliance with rules, procedures, and the student constitution in instances where power was being abused by students. None of this was easy, but silence is never an option. I'm no longer a student at Stellenbosch University, as you all know. I graduated with my LLM last year, but because of everything I faced, my journey and time at Stellenbosch University was prolonged, and I came close to being academically excluded. 
I was not afforded the opportunity to focus on my university work because as students, we recognized that something was fundamentally wrong with the manner in which Stellenbosch operated. I will leave it to current students to discuss the current reality. However, the visuals I saw on WhatsApp recently this year of the gathering on the Roy plane this year brought back so many memories of the Roy plane as a center of mobilization. Of course, I know that much has changed. Hells Wichtemansko says even features same-sex partners in the alumni guide now. But I would like to say that while social justice endeavors are by no means easy, as student leaders, we owe it to ourselves to negotiate between fighting for what we believe in and our academic responsibilities. Because while my time at the university was overwhelmingly negative, I was able to leave Stellenbosch with my head held high because I stayed true to my beliefs and I was fortunate enough to be granted further opportunities to excel academically. Looking back, it is not easy and it's not fair for 17, 18 and 19 year old first years to go through everything one has to go through at Stellenbosch. But the consequence is that conscience is number one. Borrowing from retired Constitutional Court Justice L.B. Sachs in his book, We the People, where he states, conscience is what is in your head. Conscience is what you determine for yourself as the most central aspect of your being. And the paradoxical result of that fighting goes on to make you extremely respectful of and conscientious towards the consciences of others. In the corporate world, there are new and sometimes even greater challenges. And what I have seen is that student activists are often the most competent employees as they are able to use the intelligence and importantly, prioritization, negotiation and emotional intelligence skills to successfully complete instructions. Unfortunately, many bright and brilliant student activists are still recovering from the time at Stellenbosch and what could have been an impactful and transformative career trajectory has been postponed or indefinitely suspended by the cruelty of the situation. I fear that many of the progressive steps the university has taken are under threat by conservative lobby, lobby groups who are well-funded by prominent business people. This is true, despite our new slogan being Sonke Sia Pambili. These lobby groups have vested interests and are countering every single move the rector takes towards making Stellenbosch an inclusive university. The violent institutional culture and silence of students and staff allow those enemies of progress to prosper. During the open Stellenbosch and fees must fall period, staff assisted by initiating dialogue and contributed towards the intellectual arguments that we made. Public statements through the Institutional Forum and Senate were made. The FEZS Institute held soapboxes where students could openly express themselves, and Triple L was a progressive community experimenting with Ubuntu in Stellenbosch. These initiatives were driven by unionized staff members, a student staff alliance, as well as staff forum, which sparked internal debate and mobilized towards ensuring that progressive policies were adopted by the university. I will never forget how, when the police and private security companies were called in to violently remove us from Admin B, which we baptized as the Winnie Mandela building, 
academics in their gowns and staff members in their shirts reflecting their respective departments stood on those shirts, those stairs and formed a human chain. That moment meant so much to us because we could feel that we were not alone and that actually there were people at the university who cared. It would be remiss of me not to acknowledge two key staff members who personally assisted me and always had their office door open. The late Dr. Gregory Ricks and the then Head of Transformation Office, Monica Dutoy, who I understand is currently the residence head of Monica Residence. Greg and Monica were important allies to us and I acknowledge the tremendous impact they had. I think if it was not for them, much worse would have uh, transpired. I believe that the youth's role today is to be principled, ethical, and speak up wherever they are to ensure that the space they occupy is a safer place and a place where the ideals of the constitution are upheld. Again, it is not easy, but through partnership with staff amongst others, it can be done. And each step forward is better than standing idly by and allowing people who have vested interests to pull the strings in a backward direction. I truly hope that what I've shared today can assist in understanding your own position, both as a student and a student leader at Stellenbosch University, and that staff have gained an, an appreciation of what can be done to support not only a few, but all students, especially when it comes to important questions about the future of South Africa, which are the youth. I want to end off with a poem by an award-winning poet and Rhodes Must Fall, Patriarchy Must Fall activist, Koleka Putuma, from her anthology, Collective Amnesia. The poem is entitled, Teachings. Transparency, noun, a weapon used to exercise a lineage of silence. Talk, noun, a medicine used to heal years of silence. Writing, noun, a doctrine used to deliver one from the ills of suffering. Share, noun, a tool used to dismantle a learnt behaviour of suffering alone in silence. Publishing, verb, a middle finger to the erasure and silencing of women. Archiving, verb, a fu to the canon. With that, I want to thank you very much for your time. I hope that what I've shared today could have been of assistance. And I look forward to the responses from my fellow panel members and any questions which may arise. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Bradley. Really, thank you for that. And thank you for dedicating um, those 15 minutes or so to just speaking your truth. And I think not only speaking your truth, but speaking the truth of students who are currently in activism, students who have been in activism, and students who just will be a part of change and transformation and transition within the space that we have. I was particularly inspired by something that you said, and I thought this is important considering this, the timing that we've just come, in, come out of, which is students never actually result to protest as their first option. There's often many steps that come before that, but that is what we see, and that often becomes the 
the grounding and the foundation to which a lot of opinions and attitudes are formed. So thank you for elaborating on that. I also quite thought it was important that you touched on the ins not only the insight into the relationship between staff and students, but also the complexities of the relationships that um, exist within the staff space as, as a whole. And um, especially how then the students work and their student activism roles and their and their um, their desire and need to take up activism and and specific roles within the university and how that affects them post university time and post and and the transition into the workplace. So thank you for for attesting to that. Um, I really think that was it was it was a great insight into how how things have been and how things are at the moment and I think a lot of what is to come. Thanks Bradley. I then would like to introduce our panelists. We have Daniel Page, you can put your camera on. We have Karen Colombo and we have Vive Kobokana. These might be familiar faces to you, I'm sure you've read their bios and you can see they come from the different spaces that we hold within the university and have different experiences that give that we've given them this platform to be able to express and to give us as staff um, an, an understanding of how they view their role in society coming from different contexts and and going into different futures and different aspects of of our staff and student life. With that in mind, I'd like to pose the first question to you, Karen. And it's going to be a bit of a long question, but I hope I hope it it comes across to everybody. And and nicely to how Bradley has just framed his idea, which is what challenges do you think young people face? And this is in relation to issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I want to know from you how do you think the youth, but in collaboration with our student affairs, should address these challenges that we have, Karen? You can take the floor. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm Karen. So um, I'd like to start off with the concept you said, the challenges that young people face in terms of diversity, equity and inclusion. It is a total of 28 years post-democracy. Yes, it's 28. Sorry, maths has been a while. Um, and the truth um, be told, I think, um, Bradley mentioned it in his um, speech very well, is that like we are there's still much that needs to be done in terms of going forward from that, from the period of democracy. And Stellenbosch University, unfortunately, is a very good example of how behind South Africa is when it comes to going forward with regards to democracy. Um, moving on towards um, the concept of like where the youth fit into this is that I think a huge part of the reason why we are so behind in it is the concept of as much as we are physically free, mentally, there is a huge population of South Africa that is still in a block. They are still in that period before democracy. And I think this is actually a very nice part because this is where the youth actually come in. They come in having seen the world after having seen South Africa afterwards. And I mean, yes, there is still so much to do and they can see the injustices, but that's nice. It's a fresh perspective that they bring in. They can see what is wrong with, and what's going on that needs to be addressed and fixed, which is something very beautiful because a, a good mindset is very necessary in terms of moving South Africa forward. 
Um, the problem um, or the, the challenges that the youth face, obviously, is also, again, as mentioned before, the concept of poverty, the concept of unemployment. Um, there are many students who actually go to university, study, and they're still unemployed. So then what does that tell the youth who haven't even got to university yet? Should I go and study if there's a very big chance that even if I get my degree, I'm going to get out of it and still be unemployed? So there's all these challenges that the youth are facing. And unfortunately, it has sort of like... It, it sort of like propels this despondent atmosphere that obviously the mindset block is going on. And now there's this further sad atmosphere going on of, I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going to make money. I'm not going to do this. It's just problems on problems. And unfortunately, I think um, focusing on the youth, the very small population who do get to university, who do decide I'm going to fight against it. I'm going to be a, a activist. I'm going to try and move South Africa forward, we get into student leadership positions and unfortunately the bulk of this problem gets dropped onto your lap, onto your shoulders. You need to now sort of find a way to address this problem and I think that is where the problem is. It shouldn't be a thing of how do the youth change it, it should be a thing of how do we how do we enable the youth to enable each other to change it? Because it has to be a concept of the youth coming together, not the student leaders of the youth, not the the SRC, the TSR, the, the I don't know, class reps, but it's the, it's the class rep being inspired to inspire the rest of the class to say, let's do this, let's fight, let's aim for higher, let's actually aim for the stars and not just see the situation that we are currently in and accept that this is our fate. Unfortunately, what I think has happened um, and where I think student affairs can come in is that in that atmosphere, student leaders need to be better supported such that they are able to then have that motivation. Um, Bradley pointed to the concept of like you walk out of senior leadership and you have learned so much we can, which can help you into the working world. However, truth be told is that especially at Stellenbosch University, a large number of students who go into student leadership, leave student leadership and say they never ever want to come into it again because of how much weight they had to carry when they were in student leadership. It has left them so broken, so torn that they've decided they don't want to do anything with student leadership again. And now we're losing the few bright minds that we have that could actually start this movement of, you know, getting the, the youth movement going, but now they are leaving and saying they don't want anything to do with it. And that is a huge problem that I think student affairs can come in is finding better ways to support student leaders so they walk out of here, not with mental issues that need addressing by psychologists, not saying I don't ever want to do student leadership again, but actually being like, I learned so much when I was on student leadership. It has taken me this far that they are even so encouraged that they are willing to come back to the next youth, the next leaders and be like, this is what I learned. This is how you can improve on it. And not walk away with stories that are just more sad, more depressing, and therefore discourages the next group of youth from actually taking on these leadership positions. So yeah, um, that is my answer to your question. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, I think what you had to say, particularly about the mindset that students are in now compared to those students who might have been from, who are, well, well those who come from um, 28 years ago and I still use the term mentally chained or mentally blocked and I think a huge part of that is our education and our access to that which is where student affairs do come in and being able to enable and support the ability to have uh, um, an, a, a mindset that allows for change and for um, inclusion for all. Mm -hmm. So then I'd like to ask is there anything else Daniel or where you'd like to add to that? And just a reminder to the rest of um, the student affairs that if you do have questions, you're more than welcome to put it into the chat box, but we will have a session afterwards for questions and answers. Daniel, I see your mic is on. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, firstly, amazing the, the commentary and, and 
and what's been said so far is uh, so insightful. Um, everyone else seems to be frozen. I hope I'm not frozen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there, there's so much that needs to be done at the university and help propel youths to make the changes in their own lives and then contribute to society meaningfully in a way that betters the whole of South Africa. And um, it is a monumental task and, and at times it can feel very uh, frustrating. Uh, as a person who grew up with a, a large degree of privilege, I cannot even fathom the degrees of frustration um, and barriers that many must face. But um, for context, I have been a student for about 10 years um, or over a decade, which feels a good chunk of time, um, uh, the, the past four years not being at Stellenbosch University, but I've, I've been here the whole time. And um, it has been amazing to watch the transformation that has taken place um, at Stellenbosch, um, to watch all the protests, to see how Stellenbosch has changed. For myself, coming in as a um, white English um, LGBT plus uh, community member that are a lot more um, conservative Christian Afrikaans. Um, it has changed a lot. And, and as I walk through the space, um, it feels different. Um, so that's one thing I just wanted to kind of um, comment on without, yeah. So that's just the background. Um, and yes, increasing diversity and equity and inclusion is a difficult task. Um, bringing differently abled people into the space um, can, can be as simple as putting a wheelchair ramp on, on a building, right? Um, so there's big and small things that can be done. And, and for me, there's, I suppose, three main things. It's um, education and mentoring, um, which I suppose are two arms, and, and opportunities for practice, right? Um, so creating opportunities for students to get involved in leadership, whether that's in PSOs or sport or committees or volunteering, and then providing them with opportunities to be supported. And, and, and those roles, to me, those student leadership roles need to be meaningful. They need to be ready for those roles and they need to be supported so that in that structure, the individual benefits and the system benefits. Um, but yeah, it's it's a massive task um, and that's all I have to say on that for now. Thanks. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for speaking about your perspective that you bring to this table um, and to this, this forum and also to, to your role as a student. And thank you for also um, making us aware of the practical aspect to inclusion and diversity, which includes, you know, the, for example, you spoke about the disability ramps that are, that need to be made available and empowered um, for, for disabled people on campus. So thanks. Before I continue with the next question, anything from you, Viewer? 
Um, no, I think not really at this time. I think um, Karen's point of the support and guidance needed from student affairs um, is one that I really heavily resonate with. Um, I'll wait for my question and then I think um, I can maybe expand a little bit more on that. I don't want to take too much time out of this one singular question. There's still a few, I think, to go through. Thanks, Viwe. Then again, I go back to you, Daniel, and I ask you, which is, there is a saying that goes, we are the ones we've been waiting for. How do you view and what is your perceptions of youth as leaders and the futures, the future of, of our country or our world with the youth as their leaders, but also looking at youth as leaders in our in our present time, in our present context that we have? I think youth and leadership is such a heavily loaded term or, or context that we have, but what is your perception on that? So I have a background in psychology and youth through that window. Um, so youth, I mean, what is is it? It's a, it's a massive transitional and developmental period um, and is a pivotal opportunity for education, development and, and mentoring, right? So youths hopefully develop assets and competencies that enable their optimal functioning and thriving. And then these well-adjusted youths then go on to contribute to society. That's kind of like the ideal framework, right? Um, and this this uh, idea of growth is is a process, and 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 emerging adulthood, you know, students from 18 to 29, incrementally should um, acquire more and greater levels of responsibility as they develop more competence, so that their sphere of influence in the world is bigger, right? So overall, develop and grow, mentorship and education helps so that greater responsibility and competence allows for effect and positive change. Right, so then what is our role, right? So it was spoken about before that South Africa has so many systemic issues, poverty, um, inequality and crime, and service delivery, education, medical treatment, um, human rights. There's so much that needs to be done. Um, and that's, I think, why youths are getting so actively engaged, because they have to. It's part of their process of development. It's part of growing up. It's contributing to the system. And because there are so so many systemic problems, I think youths are so motivated in South Africa to bring about that change, to push that progress. So to answer that, yes, youths are actively engaged in shaping the future, whether that's at university, in politics, in business, the nonprofit sector. Um, and, and and everyone kind of tackles it in their own kind of way, right? So there was a, I'm going to do a quote because Bradley did so many beautiful quotes and a poem. Um, <laughs> there's one by John Max that basically says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Um, so to me, it's, it's and, and it kind of echoes on what Simon Sinek says about leadership. It's um, finding your mission or passion, which is your why. And in my case, um, it was uh, the positive youth development approach, right? Then finding a way to make change in whatever it is that you've decided is important to you, the how. And for me, that was um, starting a nonprofit organization. And then figuring out what exactly it is you're going to do to make that change, uh, the what. So for me, it was evidence-based educational interventions for 
disadvantage use and, and use with disabilities. Um, but that being said, it, it was kind of this continual process of learning, developing, growing, and being supported. Um, and I became competent by studying and learning and growing. Um, I was supported by um, my peers who became NPO directors along with me, who were also passionate about the problems that existed in South Africa and the why, and, and use that to, to motivate us going forward. And I was also lucky enough to have mentors um, at Stellenbosch University and other places that helped frame my thinking that made me see, oh, there's different ways to, um, to bring about change. Um, so that's kind of my experience and my take on it. And my experience at university, I suppose, was quite different uh, to Bradley's um, in many regards in that he very active. Whereas for me, I kind of moved when I really figured out what my why was and uh, I kind of developed the skills and competencies maybe a lot more slowly uh, than Bradley did. Um, so I have quite a different uh, view on it, but I suppose that's also something to share for the, the panelists to think about and chat about. So that's all I'll say for now. Thank you. You know, Daniel, what you speak about is so important and we as and it's important that we recognize that active citizenship is taken up in different ways and unique ways and is not i mean if i think about the type of leader the leader that for example you've used vway or brag i mean you've used bradley or even vway is it's it's very different but you both make make society better in your own unique way and there's no one way of going about Use activism or or development or empowering or even relational spaces between staff and students each happen in their own way. And I think thank you for for touching on that, especially something else that you spoke about, which is that there's so many more deeply rooted issues within South Africa, within our society happening in our present time, whether it is um, poverty or the medical um, system that we know at the moment is 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 failing us but how those contribute to shaping the future of our leaders and developing our career stop and probably step up or even fill that gap to be able to say we know there are things that are not quite in alignment but what can we do from our be able to say let us help you in ways that are not available at the moment or what can we we ask ourselves a question we would like to know what is what can we do to fill that gap and to bridge that gap to assist you. Thanks, Daniel. Fiwe, anything from your side or Karen to add on to Daniel? Um, I think what I want to add to what Daniel said is I sort of wish we had more opportunities to engage with students and student leaders about the fact that we lead in different ways and we protest in different ways and we are activists in different ways. I think um, if there's one thing I would say is a flaw in our generation is if we don't all do things in the same way, then we tend to play this um, game of comparison and we tend to undermine people's activism and undermine people's leadership, um, especially if you've taken up a, a student leadership position in the university, you'll always be compared to your predecessor. And people tend to forget that, you know, um, 
I may not be the person who came before me, but it's not to say I'm not doing as good of a job. Um, I may be a leader in a different way and my style may be very different, but, you know, and my outcomes are going to be different also because we're facing two different sort of um, versions of an institution depending on our terms and leadership. And then even outside of actual positional leadership, even as activists, um, we can't compare the activists of the anti-GBV movement to the activists of Open Stellenbosch. They were facing two separate issues, um, two separate Stellenboshes. And I think, you know, if we were to play that game of comparison, all we're doing is undermining one or the other. I think that's one thing I, I would wish we would be able to engage on more as peers is um, how does activism look for, for different people? I was thinking to myself this morning, um, as people of color, just taking up space and being in Stellenbosch is a form of protest in and of itself. And at times we tend to forget that and we tend to want to go above and beyond without realizing that you just being here and excelling and passing your modules and getting through your degree, that is a form of protest um that is a form of activism that other people might not see and understand and realize um but you know sometimes just you being here the representation of you um can inspire so many other people who come after you absolutely thank you thanks for that daniel yeah just to echo what was just said i, I completely agree um and i i think it's so important that um, students and, and, and young adults kind of realize that there are so many different fights to be had and um, whether that's for fighting uh, gender-based violence or climate change um, it's in my mind Stellenbosch University has has a role to play in cultivating students that have this pro-social view about society and motivates them and empowers them to be the best type of leader they can be to make progress in the direction that's you know important to them because i cannot fight for everything at the same time meaningfully it's impossible i cannot know everything that there is to know and i'm not the type of leader who stands on top of a podium talking to a million people. I'm more the service uh, kind of leader who's in the background, you know, supporting people who are more competent and more skilled than me in other ways to, to give them the opportunities to, to better themselves and, and make a difference. That's more my style, the more quiet type. Um, and it, it's taken leaders um, who, who are mentors of mine to kind of nurture me slowly to become the best leader I can be thus far, as I need to add that caveat, um, and hopefully I can do the same for others as I, as I age out of um, being a student. Um, so that's, yeah, well, I suppose what I'd add to that. Thank you, Daniel. And I and I like that you encompass the, the aspect of the role of Stellenbosch University. Um, we haven't actually used that term yet in this conversation it, as per se, and that puts a great um, linking to what I want to then pass on the question to Viewe from a very practical side, Viewe, how do you view, how do you picture the the way um, the student affairs can best equip our students to be catalysts for change and to thrive in an environment that is not just Stellenbosch University. We know Stellenbosch University can be, or even the environment of Stellenbosch can be limiting, can be narrowed, but how do we thrive as students outside of this environment with the support of student affairs. 
Thank you so much for that question, Cameron. Um, I think essentially it boils down to one of the points that both Karen and Bradley touched on, which is the support and guidance needed from staff members and student affairs particularly. Um, you know, time and time again, they say um, universities are microcosms of society. So what happens in our universities happens outwardly, but vice versa, what happens in society um, manifests itself in our universities as well. But the the unique thing about Salamash University is it can feel like an island. It can feel like, um, you know, a town and a university away from the rest of the country and away from the rest of the world. So at times, whatever you go through in the university context, um, you don't realize that there's bigger than this, there's bigger than right here and right now. But like Bradley said, because especially if you're a student leader, you're so burnt out from fighting the fights in this university and at this institution. Um, by the time you, you know, you're meant to go spread your wings and fly and make an active role and impact in society, um, you don't have that energy anymore. So I think for me, it really is just two simple concepts of support and guidance where you support and enable students um, to, 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 to be able to identify what social changes are needed, but then also how can they them, within themselves do what they can, lend their own talents and their own passions to bringing about that social change. Um, like Daniel said, whether it's through um, climate justice or you know anti-gender based violence or fighting queer phobia whatever your passion might be but using those talents and and those you know the, those passions to bring about that social change and then guidance on how to go about doing that um i think at times in the way that our students and our student leaders particularly are trained we're trained to look at our particular structures and not outside of that so if you were a house committee member you only really know how to function within the house committee environment if you're an src member you tend to only be able to function within the SRC environment and so on and so forth. There's a lack of intersectionality and, and, and a lack of um, just cohesion when it comes to how much we engage with one another within different environments and within different structures. And I think that prohibits us from being able to, once we leave the university, we're then not able to do that in work context or with whichever um, other environment where we can't see ourselves beyond Stellenbosch, we can't see ourselves beyond South Africa, um, we can't see ourselves beyond Western Cape because we only know how to function within whatever environment we're constructed to being in right here and right now. Um, I think I can't, I can't, um, you know, end off my answer to this question by touching on the importance of having that support and guidance, more specifically for student leaders. Um, it's, I think it's very sad to hear that the issues, um, you know, Bradley and Daniel, they were facing when it was their time as younger student leaders are still prevalent issues for student leaders today. That is extremely, extremely sad. And in as much as it's an inspiration to sit here and watch people like them still excelling and still having that stamina and still having that energy, you can't not ask yourself as a student leader right now, will I be able to get to that point? Will I make it to that point? Because there's so much fatigue in student leaders right here and right now, um, especially with what just happened in our university a couple of weeks ago, um, that a lot of people, like Karen said, end up leaving, you know, um, student leadership not feeling like they're even going to make it to the end of the year. They're even going to want to go. And, you know, you, your passion just gets blacked out. And, you know, you're like, I really love this and I want to do it, but I don't have the energy. I don't have the stamina. And you end up finding... Um, mentorship and that support and guidance outside of student affairs, which I think is very unfair.
Um, you end up finding support in people who you don't regularly work with because the people you do work with see you as a colleague and not necessarily as a student. Um, the one line that I wrote down from what Bradley said is, it's not okay that 17, 18, 19 year olds are carrying the burden of social change without support. Um, and it's disappointing that, I mean, as soon as last, a couple of weeks ago, when I tried to address that with a staff member at DSAF to say, we're children, we're, we're young adults who are having to face these challenges and we're not being given the armor that we're meant to be given um, through student affairs, that we're disempowering ourselves by seeing ourselves as children. But the reality is we are, we're, we're young adults, we're fresh out of high school, we need that armor, we need that support, we need that guidance. And without it, we, we've got no future. We're going to be academically excluded um, the unique thing about being a student leader in the change of demographics of Stellenbosch is all the issues you're helping other students with, you're also facing. You're also facing financial exclusion. You're also facing student hunger. You're also facing a lack of accommodation. You're also facing um, these mental health issues. Every single issue that students are coming to you to deal with and help them with, you're also facing as a student leader. And the role of student affairs in that context is to then make sure that you're at least not worrying about that for yourself. But and and in doing so, giving you that energy, giving you that stamina, giving you that support to be able to effectively do your um, fulfill your role in supporting other students in that. And I think naturally that translates into your growth and development as a person and as a leader, um, and will translate into your performance in in the real world, if you want to say, or in the outside world when you start going into the into work um work environment and workplace, um and and you start to have that sort of understanding and empathy and compassion for the people that you work with as well. Thanks, Fiwe. I, I was very touched by what you said, especially about the cohesiveness that needs to come with leadership and being able to lead on a multilateral scale um, over and above this. So thank you. Fiwe, um, Daniel and Karen, I'm going to ask if you could possibly just keep your thoughts for just in a just on the side for a minute or two, for a few minutes rather, I'd like to just open up the floor for a few questions. And if there's anything that you think your current comments can add towards the questions that are coming from staff, please feel free to add those in. Thank you so much. I see Anas's hand is up for questions. Please put your hand up if you do have, we'll take a, another question after us. Thanks, thanks Cameron. I just want to ask a not a specific question to anyone can answer this. Um, yeah, at, uh, in, in student affairs, we see, we realized in the last couple of years that there's an apathy of students getting involved in, in um, uh, relational or leadership positions. What will you say is the reason for that? And what will you, uh, what what advice can you be, uh, give us as staff members to rectify that? Is it that people is struggling with their uh, with uh, we put too much pressure on them, or what is it? What will you say is the reason for that? And how can we try to address that issue? I have some thoughts. Um, so one I think is linking students with the services that exist on campus because. There are a host of wonderful opportunities, but as a, as a very good example, many students suffer with mental health issues. But if you had to ask students where they could get mental health services and, and assistance on university campus, most 
students turn up blank. They have no idea that there even is a system. Um, and I think that's part of the, the issue and, and which was spoken about earlier is, is all these like isolated islands of students where they can get involved, but there's other committees and groups that they can learn and grow with. So that would be one of the things that I would try suggest is um, to, to try promote the fact that there are these opportunities for people to get involved in. And I, I suppose it, it is a gradual process of increasing their level of responsibility. Kids, uh, you know, 18 year olds finish high school having to ask for permission to go to the bathroom. So now being expected to be in, in leadership positions, making meaningful change. Their hands do need to be held. They do need to be supported. You know, give them the right amount of responsibility for the, the stage that they're in. Um, that would be my my thoughts. Thanks, Daniel. Fiwe, um, Karen, your quick thoughts and then. Um, OK, I'm going to I mean, I definitely agree with Daniel's response. Great answer. So I'm going to just add on to it. I think speaking from like a direct perspective where I am a current student leader and we've opened applications for new TSRC members and no one's applied, um, there is a general attitude of apathy for sure. And a very huge part of that reason is that for the, it's it's become a norm, apparently, that for the past couple of years, every single year, there's about three or four members who joined student leadership, TSR, SRC, and then they quit. And they quit like at the start of it already, and they leave. And so that already sort of leaves behind and sort of like a taint into the student leadership sphere that, okay, it's so bad that people had to leave within the first two months, three, four people had left. And these people will go out. And of, of course, people are going to ask them, why did you leave? Because this is a student leader. You are well known on campus. So when you are going to meet your friends and your friends are like, oh, how's student leadership going? And you're like, oh, no, I've left it. They're going to ask why. And the first reason most of the student leaders say why is that you walk into student leadership being aspired to be like, I'm here to inspire people. I'm here to bring about change. And then you end up swamped with so much admin. Um, and I feel like leadership should be more a thing of you are inspired to go out into the community, you go out into your student groups and inspire the student, your friends. But then when you get into student leadership, it's so, there's so much admin, there's so much pressure on you because the students who have voted for you expect you to change the 110 problems that the university currently has. These problems have been building up from for 20 years. No one has addressed them. You come in for one term and you are asked how you're going to address all 20 problems and then you give ideas on how it can be done and then you are expected to go into it and then do those 20 things. You are one person, you are a student first and foremost. And people tend to forget that once you become a student leader, it's like you are ready to first be a student leader and then be a student. And most of us go into it being like, I can juggle both. And then you get there and then you see your academics suffering. You see that 10, 20% drop in aggregate. You see that you have a supplementary exam to write and then you freak out because you know for a fact, especially as a POC, that you need to walk out of this institution with a degree. That is your greatest chance of making sure that once you get out of here, you have a job. And like I said, there's all these problems in society. So at the end of the day, people end up choosing themselves. They end up choosing the safe way out. And the safe way is to go in, focus on getting the degree and get out. They don't try any, they don't try to follow any of their passions anymore because those, especially when it's leadership, that passion costs so much. And there's so much that you put at risk when you go into student leadership that you decide, let me rather play it safe, get my degree and go out there and just work and get money and stick to what I wanted to do. And you therefore neglect the spot of leadership that you probably loved, that you probably could have done well in because you know there's no support. It's very common that student leaders don't have enough support. It's a very common thing, like it's spoken about by everyone on campus, that student leaders have mental health issues. Why is it such a common thing and why isn't there anything being done to address it? Um, I think that is somewhere student affairs can start. So yeah. 
Thanks, thanks, Karen. Thank you for that. Thanks, Daniel. Um, Viewer, if it's okay, I'm going to go on to Fanelli's question. And then if there's something that you find necessary um, to answer in Fanelli's question, you're more than welcome to go ahead, please. Fanelli? Um, thank you very much, uh, Cameron. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much to uh, our speaker, um, Bradley uh, Frolic, and uh, our panelists. You really just, um, the points that you have raised, um, really insightful and thought provoking and really made me reflect on my own personal journey um, as, 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 as a student at Stellenbosch University and transitioning to uh, a staff member. Particularly, I just want to, um, I'm going to be very brief, uh, you know, uh, to, to Bradley in particular, we, we started together here at Stellenbosch University and we we moved through the space the space um, together. So thank you so much for just being so um, so so open and so honest about your experience um, uh, at, at, at the university. It makes me think about, and this leads me to my question, uh, an article that I read um, a few days ago that was published on the 15th of June uh, of this year. Uh, it was written by two individuals who are also student leaders uh, here, uh, who are students and student leaders here um, at Stellenbosch University, and it's titled Unremembering Intergenerational Youth Struggles at Stellenbosch University. That article, it really stuck with me uh, throughout, um, throughout this engagement where I think about what, what um, the, the authors write, and I'm going to quote um, two, two show very short parts uh, in, in the article. It says, uh, we, we re-remember that these youth-led awakenings have come at a painful cost to those involved. And our worry is that the university commits itself to unremembering while these awakenings haunt others that do not have the luxury to forget. They then move on to conclude by saying, by re-remembering, the university would prevent the recent anti-racism rallies from dying just as silently as their predecessors, and would also speak openly and honestly about its selective institutional memory so that another generation of young people don't have to rise up and challenge it. And so thinking about this and what has been written here about the university, about Stellenbosch University, basically unremembering this intergenerational youth, these intergenerational youth struggles uh, at the university. And how do we, at this stage, what, how do we position ourselves, particularly as, as the Division for Student Affairs, which has direct access to students? Uh, which has direct access to students' stories and students' experiences. How do we position ourselves and what, what needs to be done to ensure that we don't unremember? Because we have unremembered, um, as the authors term it. We have unremembered the, 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 the struggle, uh, the, 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 the intergenerational struggle, um, the, the experiences of students. What, needs, what do we need to do within our division to ensure that we keep those stories alive, we keep those experiences alive so that we can continue to move and that we ensure that movements don't die slowly 
um, as we continue to see and that we continuously have to almost see a new generation coming in and almost fighting for the same thing. Uh, what needs to happen within our division for us to, 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 to ensure that we don't lose that, that we don't unremember? Okay, thank you so much. I'll try to be brief in my response. I love Fanele's question. I also read the article and I think one thing that jumped out for me, um, which is a direct sort of very simple response to your question is, um, I think in this case it would be DSAF's role to hold that institutional memory, to be DSAF's role, to share that institutional memory. At the end of the day, you have students who come in, they're here for four years, they graduate, they're gone. And it's a, it's a continuous cycle in that way. Um, the only constant of the staff members in the different divisions, but the one division that constantly has access to, ev to every single sort of generation of students is the Division of Student Affairs. And so I think the role that DSAF would play would be to, to pass that institutional memory onto students and to say, before you, we had this movement and this is what happened. I, I think that's why it's so easy for people to say Stalinbosch is an institution that doesn't want to change because the system doesn't want to remember the moments where it possibly was dismantled. Um, there's no harm in telling first years the stories of what happened during Fees Must Fall. There's no harm in telling first years about what happened during Open Stellenbosch, unless you think that telling them those stories and equipping them with those skills is what's going to dismantle the system that currently exists. And I think it's very interesting, um, or that's what made the, the article interesting for me, was it's, it's selective, it's also very intentional. Um, so it's it's a very simple answer. I think DSAF needs to be um, the holder of that institutional memory and share that institutional memory with newcomers even if it's during welcoming or you know in sessions like this throughout the year where you, we speak about the legacies of the people who came before us because what's happening now is we're dealing with same similar even different issues in the same way and yielding no results but that's very intentional um yeah I think I think that's a simple response. Um, it's an exciting question, and I really, really hope that um, it's a question that we're going to see the answer sort of manifest um, in the coming years. I would hate for I would hate for that article to be true um, for a very long time in the university. Um, colleagues, we are out of time, but I am going to allow Bradley to just do a final comment because I think um, the question was also at Bradley. So I do think it's important that we we give time to this as well. So colleagues, if you unfortunately have to leave, it's okay. But I would ask Bradley maybe just to do a final comment and then I will do a wrap up and thanks. Thank you, Bradley. Thanks, Spurgeon. Uh, I will be very brief as well. Um, I just uh, want to appreciate um, what the panelists have shared, specifically um, stating very clearly that we all lead and protest in different ways. There's not one way to do so. And um, we all have our own time and we have to negotiate within ourselves in terms of what actions we should and should not take. Um, one thing that I would like to say in response to Fanele's question and what Vue um, just said as well, is that un the university has an obligation to ensure that whatever has happened at Stellenbosch, it's part of the Stellenbosch institutional memory. It needs to be remembered. It shouldn't be in some museum out there where Bongani must go and host events to try and um, do this only. It should be 
right there in the residences and within the lecture halls. I know that um, they were during orientation um, for first years. There's usually or there used to be sessions where the transformation office as well as um, certain student affairs staff would go and uh, train um, uh, students by using student leaders and not only student leaders, just general students um, with to share their own perspectives around curated themes. I think that was very important. I know when I was a first year, we never received those uh, trainings at all. Um, in, fa in fact, it was initiation, as I stated. But I know that there was also an idea proposed called, I think it was a Marty's 101, um, where the rector promised that there was going to be a curriculum developed that would be compulsory across degree streams for all first year students to um, complete as a requirement for their degree, which would literally focus on citizenship education in relation to Stellenbosch and what has occurred on Stellenbosch. I would believe that student affairs in collaboration with academic um, um, staff would be the perfectly place to curate that um, curriculum to ensure that what we have just discussed is included in that curriculum and can form part of an institutional memory and that remembering does take place indeed. So I think that's where I would leave it. And I again would like to thank um, Student Affairs for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And remember to follow us on Instagram at FEZS Institute and subscribe to the podcast for bi-weekly uploads. Also feel free to send us a message if you would like to collaborate on an episode or if you're interested in one of our short courses.